This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Charlene's got the eye of the tiger. Sam's got some resentment issues. And we chat to Fit Like Mummy's Natasha Kiston, a single mom who offers some insight into her personal empowerment journey. Charlene, are you ready? <laughs> Rising up out of the streets. <laughs> tell us, oh tell us God. about your eye of the tiger. Oh my gosh, you're making a much bigger deal out of this than what it really is. But Never. about two two weeks ago, I started um, uh, venturing into my journey of becoming a runner. <laughs> And I am now in my third, I mean, on my second day of my third week, um, because this app that I'm following tells me I have to start off with three days a week. Those are the so best apps, day, man. So today was day two. I, uh, I, I do like a half an hour, between 25 minutes and half an hour run, but I, I use the term run loosely because I am not running for all of those 25 minutes. I'm run walking. So yeah, so far so good. I had a bit of shin splints, but I'm I'm motivated. So good. I feel like the eye of the tiger is relevant <laughs> here. I've got my eye on the prize. <laughs> Listen, I at this point I can't even waddle in a in a single direction so like good for you <laughs> I'm, I'm right behind you <laughs> well, well I every time I go for a run I'm just like think about when Sam's baby is born and and about like six months old then and this whole COVID bullshit is gone then you and Sam can do this together so yes. that's like that's like my motivation at this point. Yes, listen, I've got the I've got the pram. Now I just need to pop the baby out and put it in the pram. And then we can get going. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, just just a minor detail. But listen, what 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 resentment are you harboring? What's going on there by you? I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself, but I need like I need to get this out. I need to get this out cuz holy fuck, like we chatted in our last episode. We chatted with um, Despina Senatore, who um, not gave up, but who set aside her corporate job at some point to give her kids more attention. And this week, we'll ta- chat to Natasha Keeson of Fit Like Mummy, who has, um, I mean, her story has many, many layers. Like it's a, it's a myriad of things we're going to be chatting about, but. She also, to an extent, I mean, we all know the story as working moms. You have to put something down, you know? Mm. And I'm feeling resentment that as a woman, I can't have it all. And we've come mm. to acknowledge that, that we can't have it all. But like being a, 
career mom, you never say, oh, he's a career dad. You know, a lot of mm. people have said to me, sure, Sam, I really admire you. You're really a career woman I can look up to. And I'm just like, that's great. That's so nice to hear. I don't, you know, mm. I don't deny those good feelings. Discount, yeah, I don't yeah. discount the, the opinion. But nobody's ever saying to Ray, you're such an amazing career man. <laughs> you know, it's always, yeah. it's fucking hard. And I think this week, or the past couple of weeks, I've been forced because of just my where I'm at at my pregnancy. I'm, I'm heading for 32 weeks now. And I'm being forced to to slow down just because I can't anymore. Like I can't sit mm. for long periods without like I'm. I've, we've been recording and I'm like eh, pushing this baby down. I can't sit still, you know. And mm. that's just being pregnant. Now try and do that with a, a newborn on your boob and a toddler mm. running around. And like I, I drafted the preparation for today's episode like with Elijah on my lap, you know. <laughs> Ray is a man and he's a very supportive husband and I always say this but he off he he was in the in the office doing his thing and and working and I was also trying to work but I'm the one that had the kid and then Mm. there've been some work opportunities as well that I had to say no to because I'm just like um I can't because come October I'll be having a baby (laughs) And it's I suppose so also hard. the difficult thing is, th- yeah, it, and it's so it's so shitty because you you cannot have both because if you choose the well in your case right now you have no choice yeah. but you never you never really do have a choice but if you were in a position where you weren't having to go on maternity leave and you had to choose the work or like to to constantly be working or to be more present with your kids. There, it comes with its own disadvantages uh, if you were to to do that. There's always just this over this mother load. It's like this, and the mother load is it's different things at different times, but it's just constantly hanging there. And if you if you have the fulfillment of being able to take on the work, you have to carry the burden of the the mom guilt that you're faced with because of the other things you're giving up. With your kid. I don't know which is the lesser of two evils. Well, that's the thing is you and I and you and I have spoken and you've reassured me. You're like, Sam, what's going to matter in terms of your work once that baby arrives? What's important here? And really, I can't say obviously because that would be denying women, women who choose to go back to work earlier and leave their kids with a nanny. Mm. That would be saying that they're bad moms. And that's mm. not what I want to say. That's their choice. So my choice yeah. is to forego the work and come back to it later. Um, but it's not nice to have, it's, it's not a nice feeling to do that because no. if you could have, if you could have your way, you would n- be in a position where you don't have to forego the work. You don't have to choose to forego the work. You can do the work, but not sacrifice time with your kid and not have the mom guilt and everything just runs smoothly and you can still carry the mother load and have it all waxed and just yeah. cheap cook and bottle washer and you're doing all of the things. Without getting tired, not, without getting burnt not out. Not getting burnt out, yeah. not just balance 101. Yeah. <laughs> but that yeah. balance is bullshit, so... Exactly. I call BS on balance. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just I can't have it all right now. I Eli, I've been trying to hustle to get shit done before I've got seven weeks to go before my scheduled C section. Um, less than even. 
Mm. Is that? Oh, anyways. That's, there's, a, there's a few weeks. There's a handful of weeks to go. And you're, you're at six weeks now, aren't you? Mm-mm, not yet. Almost. Oh. Almost. You're, you're closer to the six-week mark, I think, than what you are yes, to the seven-week mark. as we stand in this <laughs> recording. Mm. Yeah. So, and I think Elijah feels, he, as he sees my belly growing and growing and growing, he's... Feeling his mom slip away, maybe I don't know. He's he's just really latched onto me, and this morning literally said to me, "Mommy, will you spend some time with me?" I'm just mm. like, "What three year old says that in those says words?" That. <laughs> yes, in that way, yeah. And you know what I also wanted to say to you while we were discussing this is, it's fine that it, it's one thing that that Ray might be able to be a hands-on dad or like Rhett's a hands-on dad and he's very involved and very helpful. But sometimes the kid just wants mom. Exactly. And he just And then and then they're just they're just useless in their like not useless, <laughs> but they, they feel they feel helpless. In the sense that I am of no use to you, yeah, woman, because I can see <laughs> you carrying this burden, but I can do nothing about it. Exactly. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get some work done before I've got to before Ray has to hand over to me. But Elijah wants nothing to do with Ray, and he's like, "Mommy, will you come with me to the toilet?" I'm like, "Okay," and I drop what I'm doing and I go with him to the toilet. And Ray says, "Can I go with you to the toilet?" And he says, "No, thanks. I'd like some privacy with mommy." <laughs> With mommy, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, kid. And I don't want to not give him that because it's but seven weeks, less than seven weeks until he doesn't have just mommy anymore. He's got to share. And that's also going to be hard. I was going to ask you, and that adds to the mother load because you're walking around with that knowledge and that, not guilt, but that emotional feeling of shame. This poor kid, I'm not going to be just his soon I'm not going to be just his anymore. Yeah. And that's, that adds to the mother load. So I think that if, if I can pull out one good thing that came from lockdown, it's that we, Elijah and I have definitely, even though I've had to work and my attention's been divided, there have been days where it's just me and him playing. And we would never have had those days were it not for him being at home from school. So i got to give it that, but I'm, I can't deny that it's not so fun right now and it's been very tough and I'm trying to put down the balls I know that I need to put down the balls but it's it's not very easy for me so Mm. um and look not to equate this by any means but another tough reality this week that women in South Africa had to face because we're still as we're recording now we are still in August which is women's month and ironically we just acknowledged the anniversary of Uyaneni's death. Um, mm. So to recap, for those who don't know, this was a 19-year-old student who was raped and bludgeoned to death, uh, this time last year, by post office worker Luyanda Buerta. I mean, a post mm. office worker. <laughs> mm. And um, that was the start well, not, not really the start, the start of highlighting a spate of gender-based violent crimes that occurred in South Africa around about the same time last year. Right. And to be honest, the shocking reality that femicide in our country is its just out of control, to say the least. Well, exactly. Like, reliving Uyaneni's story, one year on just brought to light the stark reality that nothing's been done 
really to allay South African women's fears that this could happen to any one of us. Or to our daughters. Exactly. Well, you know, we've been saying this the whole of Women's Month, but the best thing that we can do as a podcast and as women is just talk about it and highlight, highlight these issues. And talk about it, we shall. <laughs> so guys, listeners, um, as always, we aim to give moms and women in South Africa a platform to highlight the big issues, the smaller issues, and everything in between, and to tell the stories of women who have overcome hardship, giving hope to those who are still in the trenches. Which is why today's interview is right on the money. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. I'm going to get straight into it. Guys, listeners, our guest this week um, has a lot to say. She's a powerhouse mom with an amazing story. This is actually beyond inspiring. 42-year-old aircraft engineer Natasha Keston is an ex-Durbanite who left home as a teenager with a bus ticket, a suitcase, and a hundred bucks in her pocket. At just 19, Natasha joined the South African Air Force, through which, after 23 years of hustle, she earned her qualification as an aircraft engineer, an aircraft accident and incident investigator, and an airworthiness inspector. And as if that is not enough. It never (laughs) is, though, is it? (laughs) While honing her craft at the SACAA by day, Natasha creates content by night as a lifestyle blogger, Fit Like Mummy, highlighting her fitness and weight loss journey with refreshing honesty and authenticity. Jolene, whatever this single mom of two is on, I want some. (laughs) Well, she might share some of her trade secrets with us, Sam. Fingers crossed, because we have her on the line. Ah, welcome, Natasha. Hi there. Thank you very much. Oh, man, it's like we chat uh, online a lot under your your Fit Like Mommy um, persona. But, yeah, I'm just super excited to have you on as a mother, as a woman who... You know, I find truly inspiring. I love your attitude, your take on on life, and you just take things by the balls as a as a this true is, mom yeah. of boys. <laughs> I must say, Natasha, sure. this discussion with you today has been one that I've been looking forward to for weeks now. <laughs> well, it makes me very happy. It's definitely an honor to be on the show with you guys because I think you guys are amazing and what you do is like pretty cool. So yeah, definitely awesome to be here. Yay. Oh, okay, thanks, listen. Man. First things first, we want to know more about those boys of yours and and you being a mom to one teenager and one preteen or coming up to be a teenager. So tell us about who calls you mom and don't leave out the fur babies because we know that that's a big deal in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fur baby rules my life absolutely and totally, but I'll get back to him now. So yeah, I've got, obviously I've got a teen who's 16 years old, that's Ashton. And Skylar is my preteen going on 
30 year old <laughs> and he's now going to turn 30 next year. Uh, so the boys have been, you know, very much a part of my journey. And when I wanted to have kids initially, I was told I couldn't have kids. So it's an absolute blessing in my life. Um, they really are my best friends. You know, we are a team. Uh, these boys are pretty amazing. They're extremely kind, but in saying that they are extremely challenging uh, because I've raised them to be very opinionated to to challenge me as, as a single mom. I want my boys to have that ability to say no, to challenge me. And, and that's what they do at teenage level. Uh, Ashton was diagnosed with uh, several mental health conditions. So he's got ADHD, anxiety, depression, borderline personality disorder. But that's something we're very open about and that we share on my platform. And then Skylar is my gamer and my prudy. <laughs> so he's the Xbox boy and, and that's pretty much his life, you know, but they both very much um, mommy's boys. Well, that's with, for sure. With Ashton's uh, foodiness, uh, uh, with Ashton, not his foodiness, with Ashton's um, like drive to be fit and his, his wellness journey, as you can see on his on his uh, platform that you often share, and uh, Skylar's foodiness, they've taken the best parts from their mom and, and running with it. <laughs> definitely, you can definitely yeah, see a bit of them, you in them, or a lot of you in I them. I often say to them that they need to have their own personalities. They need to find other interests and not just do the things that I do. But I think that because we spend literally all our time together, a lot of what I have interest in does rub off on them. Well, in a really good way, I can see that. And and look, you mentioned that you you share the hard parts as well as the the you know the fun, easy parts of parenting, if you, if you can even call it that. And that just makes your platform so authentic, which is exactly what people are looking for these days in a world of of Instagram perfection. Um, we can safely say that people are looking or consumers are looking for more people like you, and, and it's so appreciated. And I'm not sure, look, I'm not sure if I missed it, um, but you've been very open and honest on your blog and on your social media platforms about where you've come from, how far you've gotten, how you've gotten over it, and that's what we want to talk about today because I think it's such an inspirational story for women of all ages. So let's start at the beginning of your your journey. You're a Durbanite. You come from there, but you definitely seem to have had a coming of age. So do you want to chat to us? I mean, you can say, look, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and take us through at one years old, this and this. But let's, I mean, let's skip to the, the parts that were seminal in your life that led to you hopping on that bus at age 19 with a hundred rand in your pocket and a, a hope and a wish. <laughs> what wow, yeah. what took you to that wish. <laughs> yeah what took you to that moment you know what like it's funny that you say like where did you come of age and and i think like i grew up a lot faster than most kids because of what happened in my life so i lost my dad um when i was six going on seven he was murdered you know at that point i was forced to sort of grow up very quickly and adjust to my situation and uh, my mother was very young. She had me as a teenager. And I had worked throughout, I think from the time I was 10, I had these jobs. So I think that's where my work ethic also comes in. And by the time I was done with matric, there was no real plan for me to be able to study 
or to do anything. And I was like, either going to be like a party girl in Durban forever, (laughs) (laughs) or I was going to take this chance. And I decided I'm going to Pretoria. And I was like, I knew nothing about Pretoria, like nothing. But what I did know is that if I went to the Air Force, that I would be able to earn a salary to support myself and study. Mm. So it was never the idea that I wanted to be in aviation. It wasn't something that I'd worked towards. It was a means to, to an end. To an it was end. a solution that I was so yeah. desperate for. And I always say, if you study, uh, that's one thing people can't take away from you. So I was desperate to have that. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I hopped on that bus with a hundred rand, a bus ticket and a suitcase. And I got off and I went, what was I doing? Because... <laughs> I didn't have a plan, an idea, but I hadn't been accepted into the airport at that point. Oh, so <laughs> I kind of a had crucial you, part of this, this like uh, journey, is it not? Like, <laughs> had you contacted so, them yeah. at all? No, no, nothing. So I went <laughs> to Pretoria with the with this in my mind. I'm joining the air force. I'm going to study. I'm going to make something of myself. But I hadn't followed any steps or applied at that point (laughs) (laughs) yeah crazy I was very I was a very impulsive teenager I'm still impulsive but I think because I have kids I'm more grounded and more decisive about what I do and then I lived in a windy house guys I lived in a windy house I mean a girl from Durban in the middle of April so that's like winter 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 centurion and I lived in this windy house and I worked at in Centurion Mall. And for that period of that year, I had applied to the Air Force. I had gone through testing. And when I went to apply, they said, you should become a pilot because you're an Indian female. We need people of color. And I was like, no. Why? <laughs> you weren't keen. I, I, I didn't see what the fuss was. I was really like, I don't want to be a pilot. That's not me. And I'm not going to be the person that like ticks the box to say, oh, I'm a pilot, you know. Yeah, and just I because you to get be... to have your quota with, with, with my <laughs> skin I color. Like, I wanted to earn my place. I didn't want it to be given to me because of the color of my skin and because I was a female. So that doesn't, from then, that didn't like ever, ever doesn't sit well with me. So I was like, no. And they were like, but this is an amazing opportunity. And I'm like, I want to be an engineer. I like working with my hands. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. And I want to actually fix something that takes off and goes into the air. And that excited me. Um, So I went through a lot of testing. And I have to tell you quickly, when I joined the Air Force, we were five Indian people. I was the only girl. And then (laughs) all the guys left. So you were the last, the last woman standing. Standing, and they were like, "You see, everyone left. You should leave." And I'm like, "I'm not leaving. I refuse. I refuse to leave." Why did they so, leave? Yeah, they just couldn't cut it. Was it really tough? Yeah, it's tough. You know, you they wake you up and they mess you up. I mean, my pants were so big at the end of basics. That's how much of weight that I lost. I think I was like 63 kgs. Because wow. you run from the morning to the evening. You don't chew your food. You literally swallow it. Um, it's like you know, the army. It's like it's you're in the Yeah, army. it's a thing. So you did three months of military training. And then I went to do my apprenticeship 
um, at the training school and that's where you do three years. So in aviation, we don't have like a degree, like other career paths. So you do your trade. So I've got a trade certificate to say I'm a qualified aircraft right. instrument mechanic. Yeah. And then after that, you apply to the CAA, we are now work, and you apply to become a qualified aircraft engineer. Okay. So it's just a little bit more of a process, but you don't have a degree. But I always say having a trade has been remarkable because you're getting practical experience while you're studying. And I always say to my kids, forget about your degree. I know it's terrible that I say that, right? Not at all. No, no. Learn a skill because you are equipped for life. So that I'm a huge sure. for trade, yeah. I, so I used to work for um, Engineering News and Mining Weekly, and it was so underrated, the need that we have for people like welders, you know? Yes. And it, it's such, there needs to be such a drive in this country for skilled workers like that. And you're, abs- you're absolutely right. We've been driving home the need for degrees and stuff. But in, in moving forward in the fourth industrial revolution even and, and future you know, this idea of future-proofing your children, you're on the, I mean, you're speaking my language. I love it. <laughs> I mean, and the you know, COVID, uh, sorry, this, sorry. I just wanted to say with this, with COVID, if anything, if it has taught us anything, it is just how resilient you have to be, first of all. And second of all, if everything goes to shit and this big corporate company that you're sitting at the top of with your wonderful degree um, closes down, and there's no more work for you. If you have a skill, there's something you can do and create or build or make with your hands or, or become your own boss. Or fix. <laughs> yeah, you can, absolutely. You, you can still earn a living because you have that skill. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you look at like Ashton, my elder son, um, he's brilliant. He's, in, he's a bit too brilliant. <laughs> but the thing is, he's not someone that is book smart so he doesn't want to learn so we're like go to trade school go use your hands get busy learn and he we know he'll thrive there for sure um, and, and you get and qualified he, in a shorter space of time as well and especially when parents don't have those funds this is a, a an amazing solution to it I also think that the stigma of you have to be book smart and you will never amount to anything if you don't get your grades up and you don't study and you don't, some people on, or some children are, that is not their, that their genetic makeup does not allow for them to be bookworms and perform well when it comes to being book smart. Um, other, yeah. you, there's still avenues that you can perform well in and there's still, sure. still crafts in this world that you can excel at without necessarily being book smart uh, to, I suppose, anything you do, whether you're learning a craft, you're going to have to study how to become good at that craft. But you don't necessarily have to have the mathematic degree in mathematics or be a doctor or this or that to excel in life. And I think a lot of people, um, the anxiety of writing an exam, of studying, takes away from their true ability and what they can do. It's not that they can't. It's just that they can't cope with the pressure. And I mean, like, why are we forcing our kids into a direction? Like, let them be happy. And we live in a generation where using our hands, being artistic, being creative is welcomed and appreciated and Mm. promoted. So I always say to my kids, guys, you don't have to go and become a lawyer. You don't have to. If that's what you want to do, we'll support it. 
but please understand, like do what makes you happy. Yeah, for sure. That's so great. So Natasha, I love your attitude towards your kids and and the sort of gung-ho <laughs> approach you have to to motherhood and and as a single mom. So we've spoken about your your career very briefly, but um you know, and and as a woman, and the impact that that you have being a woman in kind of a well, definitely a male dominated field, which is which is awesome. But that also just just to add to to that layer is is your life as a single mom and raising Ashton and Skylar, which I'm sure also fed into your your creative outlets in in Fit Like Mummy, uh, your blog, and your online presence. So how did that all? come about and and I mean what's it like <laughs> being a single mom in a male dominated um you know field where you've got this day job you're it, it, you know the pressures for mo- of motherhood are enough as it is and it yeah, just I mean, seems like taking maternity being pregnant <laughs> and needing to pee all the time at work so that I, men don't really get yeah I mean it's a bit of a broad <laughs> question but but take us through that like working but being a single mom and and having that on your plate too and just doing it so well. <laughs> you, you know what? When I started out as an apprentice, there was such a resistance to women in this industry. So when I started, you know, I did the training and then I went to squadron and they were like, women don't work at squadron. And I had to prove myself daily. So instead of moaning about, I want to be treated like a lady, uh, you know, they say you got to learn to we like the boys, you got to learn to drink like them, and you got to learn to smoke like them and swear like them. And I swear like a sailor. So, you know, <laughs> I've actually, it's like an adapt or die situation where yes. you need to become one of the boys. It's not like us against them kind of thing because you are outnumbered. Um, and as long as you are not prancing around being one of the girls, uh, no one's really interested about getting into your pants. If I can say that on air, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. Nothing. Yeah, you can say anything. Yeah. Listen, if it's true on this show, you can say it. If it's true and it's authentic, you, know, you may as well so say it. So they do see you as one of the boys. They do welcome you into it. And when I fell pregnant, I was already at the CAA. So that's like 17 years ago. And I was, I was told I can't have kids. And then I started at the CAA. And then six weeks later, guess what? I was pregnant. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired, you know? So I freaked out, but they were so incredibly amazing. Uh, And I still traveled throughout my pregnancy. Wow. Um, Okay. So how did your your role change from, from, if we can go back quickly, how did your role change from the, from what you were doing at the SA Air Force and um, the SACAA? So I was married at that point and uh, my husband then was in the army. I was in the Air Force and basically we didn't even live in the same province and they refused to put us in the same province. So we had gotten married and the very next day we lived in different provinces, mm. which made it very hard to manage a marriage and eventually we got divorced. And I was just so fed up of these rules I, I, and being told to run around and I, I don't take too well to being ordering ordered around. <laughs> And I decided this is not for me. And I applied for this job as an airworthiness inspector. And in all honesty, I didn't know what it was about because there's a split. Uh, the CAA doesn't regulate um, aviation, uh, military staff. Mm, so okay. I had applied, 
and I got this job and I was like, yay, I'm in aviation, I have a job. And I found out I was going to travel the world and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Dream <laughs> that job. That's a bonus. Dream job and then you yeah, go and get yourself knocked up. Then you go and get yourself knocked up. Come on now. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, I think you just learn to, as long as you're comfortable in your space as a working mother, then people will accept that. You know, you can't use it as an excuse. Uh, I do get that some people don't. So they'll say like, oh, you know, the ladies are always on maternity leave or, you know, you guys have special privileges. But I've never really encountered that. I work with pretty awesome guys, I must say. I hope they're listening because <laughs> they are awesome. And, you know, they'll carry your bag for you. They really do look after us. Um, nice. So we haven't had that. I've had that more from maybe industry uh, when all of a sudden there's an Indian girl standing there like 17 years ago and they go, she knows nothing. She's a token position. And you have to prove yourself. And I don't have a problem saying, you know what, I'll deliver the goods, mm. but then I'll definitely bring my A game and you're in trouble because I don't mind stepping up to the challenge. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, I think and being a single mom, I, I when I got divorced, I had no pair. I had to have no pair to look after Ashton. Uh, it was so stressful. Uh, the guilt I felt that I traveled, you know, mom guilt will eat away at you. And one night I was <laughs> in New York and then three days later I'm sitting in Singapore and, and that's how my life was. You know, it was hectic. I had actually had two suitcases and, <laughs> and I would like live between the one I just dropped off and the one I'm ready to go back to the airport. I think I did a hundred thousand miles in one year. That's oh how much I food. It's funny though, because traveling as glamorous as it seems from the <laughs> outskirts and from an outsider looking in, it always seems like, oh, traveling the world must be so wonderful and so glamorous. I've worked at a job where I traveled a lot and it had all of the perks that you see, but it is not as glamorous as it you seems. You know what's the hard part? You miss birthdays, you miss anniversaries, you miss special, your child's first step. Luckily, I didn't miss it. But, <laughs> you know, no, there's, yeah. these, there's these milestones that you miss and you're torn between providing, being a soul, uh, you know, like the breadwinner and having to provide for your kids to, I have an amazing job and I should be grateful that I actually am employed and I have worked for a good company. So that did play a bit of a role. And then I, I took a bit of strain and I decided to resign. Not because I wanted to, but because I felt that Ashton deserved to have me around more. And I went into industry. I owned my own aircraft maintenance organization and a quality consultancy. And I did that for a few years while I made sure I sort of gave back. But you can't replace the time that's lost. You, you just can't. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose that guilt will always sit with you. But at the end of the day, you have to find solace or comfort in the fact that you did what you had to do for your family, that you were still providing mm. for yeah. your family. And you know, first-time moms are hectic, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want this perfect scenario. 
So yeah. every single Toys R Us store worldwide probably knows me <laughs> and I've shopped there. <laughs> It's so shit. Why can't we have it both? Like, why can't we just have the career and push as hard as we can and want to there without having the guilt of of sacrificing the time with the kids? Why can't we just have both? I want to know. (laughs) But you know what? I think if I did it now, I wouldn't feel guilty. Oh, because um, you're older and mm. And yeah, I think, you know, I was 26 when I had Ashton and it was such a challenge to juggle it. Now I'd be like, bye, boys. See you next week. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sitting. I I was chatting with Charlene on the show a bit earlier before you came on. And it's exactly like being pregnant now. I've had to um, turn down a lot of, a lot of good and, and positive work. And I'm just feeling like that. Ah, why can't women have it all? You know, that that I think we all we all get to that point where we're just like, why is it that? You know, and we chatted to, I mean, Charlene and I chatted to Despina Senatore last last week about this, about just uh, having to sort of, it feels like you're giving up on your job and your dreams when you have kids. It's either one or the other sometimes, you know, and it mm. just doesn't feel like you, you can have it all. And I don't know, I I maybe wish I had your attitude now, Natasha, and, and just... Can I tell you what? Um, I gave up on my dream job. You know, when I left the CAA, it was my dream job and I left because I, I really felt I needed to do right by my family. And I understand when you say you're so torn and then you beat yourself up and you go, why do I feel like this? Now, why are you, <laughs> you pissed off constantly. actually? It's your decision. So yeah. why? And you're saying no because it's your decision to say no and you're putting down so this like ball this- in favor of the other, but you still so it's pissed just like off. an internal battle. Yes. And you look at your That's husband weird, who but- doesn't have to make that choice actually or mm. your partner and you're just like ah but you see i got i went back so you know um when your kids get older it's not to say you can't pick up on your dreams you do halt it it might you know you might not be as further in that career as you want to but mm. i was very fortunate to be able to go back mm. when the boys were bigger and like now i've made the choice that i i don't travel <laughs> uh anymore i miss it i miss it but now I travel for leisure because when I traveled all those years, I used to say, I wish I had someone I could share. Oh, there's the Eiffel Tower. Or That's there's- exactly it. You know? I was going to say, because what people don't see about traveling for work is you are in those places seeing all those beautiful things. But how one, how it feels kind of empty because you're looking at these beautiful places that you're at and you're just like, I, I can go home and tell these stories. I can show you the photos, but I'm not here standing here with to my just kids or my moment. husband or my best friend or my someone that I, I love to share it with. Mm. But you know, no, it's, it's like the saddest part about travel is that travel, travel is about work. sharing that experience and then you're having a romantic, expensive dinner on the Sine River and you've got no one to even talk to. So. <laughs> Guys, you're making me feel tons better because like pre-COVID and probably post now or um, in the near future, my husband travels quite a bit for work and it's just there the resent just continues, you know, while I'm the one Mm. left behind. It helps to hear that being the one who travels for work isn't necessarily the most glamorous of the jobs. No, it's lonely. It's It's often very lonely. 
it's yeah it's always harder to to stay behind because I remember when I needed to leave for work I'd be so sad that I have to leave my people or my boyfriend at the time or my fiance or my husband now behind but then you get to this beautiful place and you're so excited it's always bittersweet because you're like I cannot believe I'm standing here and I'm like drinking this wine and eating this meal and talking to these people and I just, the only thing that would make it more perfect is to have my person with me or to have someone with me. Exactly. Yeah. Sam, basically the guilt that he's going to feel is going to make up for it. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. I can deal with it. Because he will feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he does. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. Careers, careers aside, you've got a, a, another side hustle that I don't actually know how you have time, time for this because... <laughs> If I go online for any reason, Natasha on Fit Like Mummy is is doing just all doing all it. the thing. Like you just never <laughs> stop. You just never stop. Mm. It's video after video and partnership after partnership, and then a post, and then a like. I was looking for your. You reintroduced yourself after some a number of followers during the um, lockdown, and I had to like really scroll to find it because you've done so much. You know, <laughs> and also. In that, in that, just I want to add to what Sam's saying there, and you are doing a lot, but you're not putting out shit. It's no. not just endless shit that you're putting out. It is. <laughs> Thank goodness, guys. No, Thank goodness. It's intriguing. I'm always looking forward to seeing what you're putting out next. It makes me laugh out loud constantly. My husband, like, I'll be in the bath and I'll just, I'll be scrolling through my phone and I'll just wail with laughter. And he'll be like, what's up? I was like, nah, it's Natasha. She's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know how funny that is? Because so many of the women will say to me, my husband knows you because we always go like, ah, oh, it's Natasha again. Yes. So I'm like, guys, like, what does your husband think? <laughs> well, tell us how you know what it is. Mm. I know that a lot of bloggers have planners and schedules. They're so professional um, that they know what they're doing next week. And, and they have this whole, and I'm like, one day when I'm big, I'm going to have a planner and I'm going to be organized and I'm going to be able to do that. I'm literally just telling you my story. So I don't know what I'm posting later or tomorrow unless I have a campaign for a week that's scheduled. And even then, when I work with brands, I'm like, guys, I influence my way. So when I feel comfortable, I'll do the post. I'm not going to do it on Tuesday at 10 o'clock because you said I must. So that's just me. <laughs> you know, I'm difficult that way. But if I don't feel the energy that of the message I need to convey with you, then I can't put it out. And I just cannot put it out. But that I think is I where ask. your authenticity lies. Authenticity yeah. comes from. And that is that is what makes you worth watching or like uh, you're as a as a spectator from the outside that's why I'm interested and I I genuinely buy into your authenticity because I know that when Natasha puts something out that it comes from you this isn't something you were necessarily dictated to doing in a certain in a certain way and I must say, like, the brands I work with are so amazing. They're like, they know I'm difficult <laughs> and they know how I do it. So they're like, yeah, yeah, go do your thing, you know. And if We're we cool. don't agree, then we do chat about it. But I think it's also about partnerships and building relationships, you know. Um, it's not just, okay, it's a campaign. Hey, how's it? Even when there are no campaigns, it's like, hi, guys, how's it? How's your family? Because people don't just come into our life for a brief moment. Well, that's with me. 
Like if you're in my life, you're in my life. Um, And I want to know about you and your family and I want to support you and I want to be there for you. So, um, you know, my my, my blog is really just about being there for people and, and supporting people. When I started the blog, I, guys, I don't read. I can't read a book. I don't finish a book. <laughs> You're a woman feel, after you Charlene's heart. I feel so much better about <laughs> myself at the moment, Natasha, because I have for years now, let's wait, I'm having an epiphany. <laughs> you, I want to jump up and down. I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge of tears with excitement because of this discussion, because you have just, <laughs> in what you have just said, made me feel so much less inadequate because I, I've just like you, I've given up my dream job to be a mom. I have. So if anybody, if our listeners are listening to this today, the reason for these discussions, the reason we're talking to people like Natasha is so that you can know as a mom, there is life after having kids, A, B, they will fulfill your life to the greatest extent of the word, but you will always still feel some parts of your life lacking. And that does not mean you have to give up on those parts in your life that are lacking. And don't let self-doubt creep in and let you not fulfill those things because that's what I've been doing for the longest time. I gave up on my dream job. I'm being a mom now and I just around every corner feel unfulfilled all the time. I doubt myself because I'm not a fucking book reader. I cannot finish a book for the life of me. I, I, I've been wanting to write and tell my story, but I'm no fucking blogger. I don't know how to put it out outside of this podcast with Sam, just like you, Natasha, you're just inspiring me here. And I'm taking over this whole interview, but I'm so inspired by you. Yes. <laughs> well, I love your energy. I'm watching you and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can feel that. But you, you know, it's like what you're saying is true. And I said to you, my followers were like, you have to start a blog. I'm like, guys, I don't even know where to start, you know, like, and I, I don't read. Now you want me to write. And I'm not someone that, <laughs> I'm not a pretty writer. You know, I call a spade a spade. I swear like a sailor. Um, I'm trying to watch my P's and Q's during this whole interview. No, don't. <laughs> you shouldn't. You can say fuck. We say fuck all the time. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. My favorite word. Okay, it's not, but yes. <laughs> so for me, it was like my followers wanted it. And you know, when I started, I had like 30 followers or something and my handle was cool like mommy. And I was like, because I'm the cool mom, you know, I swear and I <laughs> tune my kids and I do what I want to do and I really don't care and I'm unfiltered. And then my doctor said I was going to die because I was chronically ill. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> sorry that I'm laughing. <laughs> sorry that I'm laughing. But the, the way you're putting it out there, I was cool like mommy. And then my doctor said I was going to die. And I was like, Oh my God, that is actually very serious, but you tell it in such a funny way. <laughs> but, but you know what? I was so sick that I didn't even know I was sick. So you can cut this part out if you need to. So I'll tell no. you the story quickly. Yeah, tell so us like, why. So during intercourse, I would get, like every time I climax, I would get this insane pain at the back of my head, like I'm dying. So I'm rolling in, in pain and Clifford's going, I'm the man. And I'm like, oh <laughs> almost dying and I just ignored it you know I go okay that was amazing it gave me a headache in the meantime my blood pressure was spiking I was severely hypertensive <gasps> and I didn't know and so, you're yeah, thinking it's just the sex like it is so good I'm like <laughs> yeah I, it was a good session <laughs> but 
And my doctor, when I went to him, he's like, how are you still alive? Because it was like 115 over 153 or something. And oh I weighed probably God. 130 kgs. I was a size 44. And I was really in the worst space in my life at that time. And um, I was trying to keep the family together, traveling, working. You know, I didn't even have too much. I didn't have the blog then. And it was just me working and family. And, and I was just giving of myself that I forgot to take care of myself in this whole process of being a mom, like what we always do. We mm -hmm. pour all our energy into everyone else. We forget about ourselves that I didn't even know. I, I could have died during sex. Like amazing, but... You're, can you imagine how bad way? that could have turned out? Like that could have been terrible. I mean, yeah. it's quite an epic story, but that's not what we <laughs> would have done. I would have died smile on my face. But, <laughs> uh, how, how did your mom die? No, she died during intercourse. <laughs> she basically got shagged to death. <laughs> what a story to tell. Exactly. <laughs> so, I decide, and the doctor on the way out the, the room, he said to me, by the way, when, um, if you don't get your act together, your kids are going to grow up without a, a mother. Now, what mother wants to hear no. that? Penny drops. And I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, oh gosh, I went home. And I was like, I'm done drinking. I'm done smoking. Yeah. I'm done everything. And the next day I was like on my diet. I'm eating healthy, cut sugar, cut carbs. And that was like around the 15th of December, 2016. Oh my gosh, sorry. Mm. Oh, it's your fur baby. No, it's your fur <laughs> baby. Go for it. He belongs, part of the family. <laughs> He's just nosy because he wants my attention. That's what it is. <laughs> so then I lost 15 kgs. From January to, to March, the weight just came off. But I went to social media, I put the fat photo out there, and I thought once I put that photo, there's no turning back because I'm about to horrify people. But because I had like 30 followers, like you were just one like YOLO, man. Photo, right? <laughs> one person was gonna one person was gonna gonna see it. The dog broke into the room while we chatting. <laughs> FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't really care about that photo, but I did go to the CNA to print it. You know, back then you had to go print the photo. <laughs> <laughs> and then the machine, you know, the ones where you use that self-help machines? Yeah. And it had to be that day where the guy had to get the photo from the back of the Ooh. office and I wanted to die. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Even that guy saw me. So... <laughs> Well, and I suppose that, that it also holds you accountable Accountable then for once you I never went back there, to that CNA ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can't go there. That guy knows exactly what I look like. So, um, so then, but like mommy was born oh, then. It was after that photo that yeah, you like changed your handle. So I changed. Yeah, okay. I changed it from cool like mommy because to fit like mommy because I thought – how do I go on a fitness journey and not take my kids along? Mm. So we see a lot of fit moms on social media and then you don't see their kids feature in this. Yeah. And my biggest thing is if I was taught at an early age to have a better relationship with food yeah. and right. 
and and that I shouldn't comfort eat, celebrate eat, eat only eat, your eat, emotions. Yes, that I I wouldn't be this severely obese person who's chronically ill. Um, so I decided taking the kids along for the journey. So we joined up at the gym and they went to the gym every day with me. And then people just, I think, found it refreshing because I'm so unfiltered. Maybe they found it entertaining. They like the swearing. <laughs> or maybe they like my butt. I don't know. But <laughs> I did put quite a bit of photos off me. Like every Tuesday, Transformation Tuesday. Every Tuesday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And even still now, this is so funny. I, I always tell my followers that they're freaks because <laughs> I can put a beautiful flat lay that I've taken an hour to do and they will swipe right past it. And then I put one with all the dimples on my butt and then they hit me <laughs> up and I'm going, I don't understand. Maybe I should just put more photos of my butt and then I'll have better engagements. So... <laughs> Well, let that be a lesson to content creators. That is what people want. I'm telling you. You know what? what? I think people are just hungry for what is genuine. Because uh. it, people sugarcoating life and, and, and sugarcoating their stories and sugarcoating things, it, there's a, it's a dime a dozen. You can find a silver lining story everywhere. But... What about the people who are in the thick of it, struggling, feeling like I'm never going to get to that fucking silver lining? Is there something wrong? Exactly. It's okay to know. It's, it's, it's refreshing to know that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. You're not alone. This is reality. Life is fucking ugly. You just got to get through it. And Natasha, exactly. you're, you're yeah, not think- showing perfection. You're showing the process. With, and, and who knows? I don't like we don't even know what your like ideal because I don't even think you have this like ideal Natasha. You are the ideal Natasha, you know? So it's I, I did an interview yesterday and they asked me like what do I see for my future? And I'm like, guys, I don't operate in that space. I love it. I okay, operate well. now. I, you know, losing my dad at the age of six taught me to live now, mm. to value the people around me now, not when they're dead and gone, to to celebrate every single day as if it's your last, because I could be hit by a truck tomorrow and I would have had all these plans for 20 years from now and missed every single opportunity that's right in front of me. So we oh, just want to be somewhere else, animal. right? <laughs> you guys should like really, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll come along when I can drink again. But I think like the pair you know of the you. <laughs> you can watch us drink, Sam. Like, okay, just watch fine. us drink. All right. we'll, we'll take one for the team. Thanks. <laughs> yes, we'll each have, I'll take a turn to have a drink for you and then Tasha will have a drink for you and then I'll have a drink for there you. There we go. <laughs> But you know what I wanted to say is as bloggers and influencers, I strongly believe we have a social responsibility. So it's not about just getting free stuff or these exciting events or whatever. We have a social responsibility to the people that follow us. Showing them our fancy lives that don't exist is not fair because we're putting so much of pressure on people who are struggling to make ends meet or to, you know, just get through a tough day or to think that they need to look hot and sparkly after a workout when actually you look like a train wreck. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, the journey isn't easy if, if it's a fitness journey or whatever. Mm. It's not easy. There's good and bad no matter what. Life is a cycle. 
And we need mm. to stop doing that. So, you know, that's something I'm very like adamant about. So that's such a nice thing to say. It's really refreshing to hear you say that. I, I do agree with you because people, especially when you have such influence with people that look at you and, and your life, to deceive them is, I mean, it's, it's the biggest disservice you could do. It's, it, I think it's taken, it's taken advantage of the, the, the power you have been given, yeah. like not officially been given, but the power that yeah. you have accomplished. And, and I, I, I'm very difficult with, with in the sense of the work I do. So if I'm not prepared to spend my money on that brand, my own money, I won't work with them in a hurry uh, unless it's something of interest to my kids because I believe a true influencer actually has been shopping there for five years, actually loves the product that they go and spend their money there. Otherwise, it's just another campaign, right? Mm. Like Fitbit, I'm, I'm doing a campaign with them, but we'll get into that, I think, just now. But the thing is, I bought these watches with my own money over the past three years. Before you even did anything, any work with them. So exactly. you had bought, you'd literally bought into the brand. You know that you're a loyal uh, Fitbit user. And I mean, you're literally putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, you know, for me, that's important. It's, it's important to have your integrity intact. Mm. So um, let's let's get into that. You are a Fitbit ambassador now, um, you know, you and a, and a group of women, and you're, you're showcasing what the watch is about, but you're also going on a fitness journey with an instructor, which is amazing. But the, And then <laughs> also I think it's with Montague. Um, you know, yes. the, the snack guys, and you have a recipe book out called Snack. <laughs> I mean, when yeah. I saw that, I'm just like, geez, okay, I need to talk to her about that as well. <laughs> you know, there's just so much you keep adding. <laughs> there's to, a lot to talk to about. Everything. Yeah. And you opened uh, your own online store, Fearlessly Authentic, with. Um, yes. Did you partner with Tora Grace? Uh, because I, I have worked with them as an influencer and ambassador before, and I love their jewelry. So they often shout to me and say, why do you go and buy stuff again? You know, so I do spend <laughs> quite a bit of money there. And also with the Lux Leather. So those are the two brands. I know the quality of what they produce. I know what they believe and their value system is. And that was important for me to collaborate with brands that, have a similar outlook on life and the approach to women and supporting women. And uh, Montague, <laughs> they were the first brand I ever worked with. Wow, okay. You know? So you've come a long, long way with them. Yes, it's been like a couple of years. And, you know, now we'll have late night chats and it's got nothing to do with work. And it's, hey, how are you guys? Whatever. So when I did make the proposal, I was going to anyway do a recipe book, you know, and then I said, but guys, it makes sense because I love your stuff. I go and buy your stuff all the time. <laughs> Even when you don't send me stuff, when you send me stuff, I'm still prepared to go pop into the shop around the corner and buy stuff. And I am going to use your product. So, yeah, it was, it was really great to celebrate that relationship with the recipe book. I love that. And, and, then, and, and then your journey with – and it all just ties into who you are, your love of food, your love of fitness, and your, your – your change in intact, I suppose, over the last four years to being from cool like mommy to fit like mommy or um, mommy. And 
it's it is it's just refreshing to have okay he has influencer marketing but it's really something that like never makes me feel like it's unattainable you know and so it is a lifestyle it's it's a, it's a sustainable lifestyle it, every day is part of that journey you don't yes. you you work at it every day you don't like go for two months or three months or a year you hit your goal and then you're like sweet I did it I'm done you're never done with that journey no and, and you know what when I when I started the vlog it wasn't about a brand either it was mm. a blog mm. where I said yes, it's your story and the one was on YouTube saying how to create a blog on WordPress no jokes and, and I sat and I followed step by step. So I, at the moment, I run my own vlog. I created it on my own. I've done all of that, which is such a massive achievement because I'm not good with anything IT tech related. <laughs> so, you know, um, I had to learn a lot. But I think we also need to be open to want to learn. We must be open to want to challenge ourselves and not be scared of that. Because a lot of time people have amazing ideas, but they're so scared because I don't know how to do this kind of thing that they won't do it. Yeah. Mm. And and I'm all for doing it by myself because it saves me money. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. I you preach you both. You and me both, honey. <laughs> so listen, Natasha, not to not to sideswipe you like uh, towards the end of the interview, but I mean the reason why we wanted you on. Um, so urgently at this time and in the month of August, we're recording in the month of August. So we always want to put forward people's stories um, in the hope that other people will listen and we can shed a spotlight. So you've been very open and honest and real as you always are about your own experience, your own hashtag me too experience. So, and what I find refreshing and also just because I always look to you for how do I manage my boy? He's only three. Your boys are like sterling citizens already. Yeah. You know, I always look to you to be like, okay, how is she handling that? And you've been very open and honest about your hashtag me too journey and honest with your boys as well. So I don't know if you want to share with our listeners what happened, what has happened, what you've overcome and how you've overcome it. And, and sort of the the story follows you around and followed you to your social media as well quite recently. And <laughs> yeah. I just love the way that you handled it, you know, with such mm. grace, actually, with such power, but with such mm. grace. You, you know, it's, it's such a frustrating thing. And I think women are angry and frustrated because nothing's changing. So, mm. you know, we have a march, we, we have a post and it goes viral we have a hashtag and i'm someone that goes that adds no value because we are not changing it within our own homes mm. so just a little bit of a disclaimer when it comes to the me too hashtag i've done a blog post sometime last year when all of this happened and i said i'm not going to use the me too hashtag i took a beating for it um, and a lot of people were upset with me and a lot of people unfollowed me and i said you need to go and read what i'm writing as a yeah. mom of boys, it starts with me. So whether I use a hashtag has no value unless I'm raising my children to realize that they need to respect themselves first and foremost, and they need to respect women. Uh, you know, uh, these things don't just happen to women. They happen to men. We only speak about the one side. And it causes more damage. But I'll get back to that now. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there before no, people say, cool. but, you know, she said that. Um, <laughs> 
And, and I was like, I'm happy to say that because I'm intent on raising these boys correctly. I can hope for the best. And as long as I'm doing the foundation of it. And a lot of women are living in secret. And when, as a little girl, so I've shared the story on my blog. I've shared it on my platform recently. And um, I was subjected to so much of it. So I watched the women in my family being abused. And they stuck there for years. Some of them are still there. You know, I, I watched women being thrown around and hit. And I think that's why I'm also quite adamant in standing my ground. Because as a child, I could do nothing to stop the situation. Mm. And then when I, just after my dad died somewhere, I was sexually molested. And it was by a family member. But it was very little that I, I, was, I thought I was wrong. Kept it to myself. And, uh, and then a few years later, I was 13 and it happened to me again, but this time I was an angry teenager and I spoke up, but guess mm -hmm. what? Families are so worried about what will people say and, you know, what will people think that they're protecting the people that do the wrong thing. And I was forced to keep silent about it. And Oh, I was such a miserable teenager, guys. I, I <laughs> lashed out in so many other ways because I felt that, you know what? They the people that I went to had failed me. Mm, yeah. But I went to women. Guys, I went to women. And women didn't have my back. Yeah. And my issue is, you know, we see women supporting women, women empowerment. I'm like, you guys, you just throw these things around. But do you truly support each other? Are you kind towards each other? Do you embrace each other? Do you celebrate a woman when she's doing well? Or do you Action see her as competition? Yeah. Actions speak louder than words at the end of the day. We can all you talk know? a big game about we want to support and we want to care for exactly. each other and cheer each other on. But when push comes to shove, are we actually really doing that? And, you know, uh, my dad was a, was a gangster. Um, and uh, I have spoken about it so many times. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit gangster as well. Who knows? <laughs> I just have to say, in one of your posts, you said um, when you got accused by someone that you were conceiving. Some crazy the, woman. How the, crazy the was true that? Evidence. Right? And you, you just said in one of your statements, I, I loved it. You were like, well, yes, my dad was a gangster, um, but he was pretty badass too. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, own it, honey. <laughs> so let's put our listeners in. It was the, it, you got someone sliding into your DMs from, from the city no, you come actually, from. No, actually, no, comments. In the comments. Comment. Like, live oh, comments under a fake profile. <laughs> so I told my story about what I'd experienced, all the gender-based violence, you know, the sexual assault, uh, uh, having a relationship where I was hit and abused while my boyfriend's family stood and watched. So I'm telling this whole story in the hopes that I can say to one woman, it's okay to get up and leave. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. And yes, people will turn their backs. And I'm trying to do this whole thing. And then some psychotic, crazy, I don't know. I, I can't even explain this person. Writes a comment on the post. So I get the most amazing support and love from all my followers. And people that don't even follow me are commenting. And I wake up at 5 o'clock to this message. And this person is obviously someone that knows me. Because if you read the comment, you can actually feel the anger. Uh. So it's not someone I don't know. 
It's not someone isolated that the person says, I knew your family. No, it's actually someone, I, I'm assuming, that is from my family that wrote that. So it's on the second post. I did screenshot it. I'm like, I have nothing to lie about, guys. Other people's choices, my parents' choices, my family's choices does not define me. Um, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. What also stood out for me from that conversation is this person was trying to discredit you by saying that this post that, post that you've put out um, uh, isn't 100% truthful, even though you started the post off by saying that this is just a part of the story that you're telling. Exactly. And you're yeah. choosing, you're obviously selecting this part of the story based on the gender-based violence topic that you're that you're speaking out about that and guys i've only allowed so many characters yes, on instagram it's, it's <laughs> too long a story to tell in one post so if you want to get to the point you pull the snippet that's relevant to that point so everybody got that from your post but this person was trying to discredit what you were telling us or, or the point that you were trying to make out by saying that you in your youth you behaved promiscuously or you were a, well, they call a, me a, a, a loose goose yes oh. a loose goose <laughs> you 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 were a bad teen and then and then your your poor mother didn't stand a chance because she also had you when she was really young and 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 what was really upsetting to me and I'm I pretty much hi, hijacked your post probably because I just I mean you can see how how passionate I get about things I just got so angry about this person wanting to steal um the away from the point that you're making because they, they, they're trying to discredit you. But what they're actually, the message that they're putting out is saying that if you come from an abused background or you've ever had difficulty in your childhood or you've ever made mistakes in your life, not saying that you made mistakes, but if ever a person has made mistakes, when they do get abused sexually or otherwise, they have no claim because of exactly. the way they and, and for me, I think the words were something about um, Shane, you are a circumstance of your childhood, your, you know, and then the next minute I was a loose goose and I'm going, what, what is, is your it? point really? You know, this speaks volumes about that person and this woman that wrote the comment, I'm going, there's another woman who actually doesn't support other women that is actually saying that it's okay to be molested, that yes. it's okay to be abused. Because you, you were quote unquote asking for it. And if you were exactly. abused, if you were abused, you better be very sure that you never put a foot wrong in your life because otherwise you deserved it. You deserve exactly. to be abused because of, because of what happened to you. It, it is just such an awful message to put out to people because what we're trying to do is in the people, speak to the people in our community in saying if somebody somehow holds up a sign saying, I am in trouble here. I need help. Whether that be in the way they're behaving or coming to you outright and saying, I have, I have suffered and I need help. We need to have their backs by looking into, into that situation and saying, okay, here is a safe space. Let's talk about what's happened to you. Let's exactly. investigate. And there's Let's enough see. help out there. There is help out there. But when families and people close to you are silencing you, do you think children are going to talk up? You know, you know that whole thing about children should be um, seen and not heard. Not heard. In this yes. day and age, it's it's still a thing. I'm going. You should trust what your child says, even if they're lying. Until but investigate further. You yes. know, in, but innocent you until proven guilty. Yes, you yes. need to look at your child and be like, 
you're coming to me with something for a reason. Investigate, 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 investigate. And if you can find absolutely no substance to what your child is telling you, there's got to be a reason. A child will not do or say something like that without reason. And I mean, you know, um, as a teenager, I didn't have a lot of female friends. I didn't trust women because actually people will say, but men abuse you. I'm like, yeah, but the people I turned to were women, mm. you know, of course I'm upset that this happened to me, but I refused to live an angry life and give away any more power than those men took away from me. I refused. Mm. They are not worth a moment of my energy and time. And that when this post, I didn't have to say too much because my followers unleashed a reign of terror. They lost it. I was like, they were crying. My phone didn't stop ringing. And it, it was amazing to have this community that actually is so invested in my story. And I was like, I, I didn't realize the impact of it. I was just trying to say, if I help one woman, but people were so emotional about it that you, you sort of realize how many people are still living in silence. Mm. Well, Natasha, because we don't get emotional about something that doesn't hit home, right? Exactly. If it doesn't hit exactly home, we, we can move on. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, have, I still haven't responded to every message because every day I try to catch up on these posts and people are still commenting. I'm like, I feel so bad. Like I'm trying so hard, <laughs> but it's definitely resonated with a lot of people. Um, it did silence the guys. The guys just disappeared off my blog, <laughs> off my Instagram. They were like, okay, not our place. And they disappeared. But um, yeah, and, and I must say, in saying that, I had a few guys contact me and say, you know what? It's happened to me too. I love that. Not, a, not that it happened to them, but that they felt that but they that could they approach you. Yeah. And they could, yeah. So with that in mind, Natasha, I really have to applaud you for the way the you you you're not a follower you're a leader and it helps to have a leader in these instances where we actually need one where we need people to show us how to come to the party and how to behave so that there is a seat truly a seat for everybody at this table including the men who who are abused and suffer gender but we talk about gender-based violence and it's all like women 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 yeah, you in the way that you manage this, in the way that you, I'm assuming if you didn't use, and I'm going to get into trouble for this. Ugh. I'm assuming if I'm assuming if you didn't use hashtag me too, you didn't use hashtag men or trash. You know, as a mom. Definitely. So the post actually says, I won't use those two. And I actually had bloggers, bloggers, um, unfollow me. Yeah. And I went, it's okay to disagree, you know? We, we should be able to be adult enough to disagree because a blog is really your opinion. Absolutely. You know? uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a press release with facts about a product. It is your opinion. It's about your experience. So why can't women sit around the table, disagree, and still have relationships intact? Yes. Why do we have to unfollow? Hallelujah. Why do we have to get aggressive? Because I think when we're angry, when we're angry, we lose sight of what the issue is. You know, mm. as women, we're very sensitive. So all of a sudden, people's feelings are hurt. We've lost track of what the initial intent was. And we take away from a movement that has value. 
But I don't believe that we just need to follow a hashtag. I believe that we need to live it. Mm. You know, 100%. hashtags are there to increase engagement. Guys, that's what it's there for. It's not there to change the world. It's not going to change the world because if that was the case, every year we wouldn't repeat the hashtag. You know, you know what I mean? Those of us that are bloggers and influencers, you do hashtag research to increase your engagement. I still don't know how to do that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it's working for you. It's clearly working for you. Even though you choose not to use certain hashtags, it's still working for you. So good job. And, and you know, I work with guys and I was telling you this, you know, while we were setting up earlier is that I work with guys. We have rough, heated conversations. Like it gets hectic. But when we're done, we are done. It is not personal. We have a disagreement, a, a difference in opinion. And sometimes we don't talk for a few days, <laughs> you know, but once we calm down, we're going, but guys, this is not personal. Mm. You're not my, my husband or my kids. Anyone yes. outside of that, I'm not going to get upset. I, I've got a friend and I'm very brutally honest with her. So yesterday we had a chat last night. I said, you know, so I said, when I tune you, then you are pissed off with me for a few days. And then you calm down and think about what I said, but always come back and tell me if you disagree because I'm not always right. Nobody is. You, you know what I mean? But by following the masses, what does it make you? Mm. I, I, I don't get it. I don't see just, why we need to follow. We're just sheep at the end of the day that follow aimlessly just for the sake of, because that's what everyone exactly. says we're doing now. So we're just going to have our heads down and go. No. And you know what? I'm not someone that's easily threatened. So if if I don't follow and you feel like, you know what, I'm going to unfollow you and whatever, have at it because I don't do it just to grow my numbers. Mm. I would have been on a, like 30,000 now and bought my followers if that was the case. That's not why I do it. I do it to change lives. I share my story. My kids share their story. You know, Ashton shares his story and we do it with his permission because we want to help people out there. We understand what families are going through. We, we, you know, we even volunteer a lot of our time where we get nothing in return except for the fact that we get to help. Mm. And, and that's what my blog is about. Um, so for me, it's not about the numbers. Um, I am a disruptor because I'm vocal. <laughs> and it, it's cool. It, it, it should challenge us to think outside mm. the box. It should challenge our opinion and go, Huh, maybe I had that, but actually, you know what? I'm right. Or maybe there's another viewpoint that has some merit to it. But isn't that how we grow by yeah. having these conversations? Isn't yes. that how, how we move forward into and actually make whatever cause or whatever topic we're discussing? Isn't that how we give it legs and give it a platform by having different viewpoints Exactly. You know, we can, there's always room to learn from each other. And if you mess up, guess what? I'm going to phone you or I'm going to message you and we are going to have a conversation. And I'm going to tune in. I'm going to say, you know, you really messed up. Hey, <laughs> and this is what I think. I'm going to tell you that. But we should be able to do that because our intentions are good. Because mm. I actually want to highlight something, you know. Um, I messaged someone last week and I phoned and she's like, what's up? I'm like, no, I found your number, but I think I needed to like let you know that you need to step outside the box and comment 
because it's what you want and not because it's what everyone is saying. Mm. And she's like, wow, I didn't think about it. I said, you know, I've got no agenda in this. However, mm. please be careful not to be used to support other people's causes for whatever their reason. You need to understand people's intentions to be able to support a cause. Mm-hmm. And do we always know what people's intents are? We don't. It will become clear eventually what people's intentions are. Oh, it always are. comes out in the wash, right? It, it always, always comes out Always comes to the light, yeah. Well, and that, mm-hmm. ladies and, and gentlemen, up. is how we <laughs> actually support each other, by holding each other accountable and by uh, doing life the way that you do it, Natasha. I, I really, I mean, I can't um, sing your praises enough to even me yeah (laughs) to anybody i come across i'm just like you want authenticity on the gram this is where you go and regrettably i have to um wrap up our conversation although i do hope (laughs) that it's the not the last time that we have you talk on the great equalizer but thank you thank you for the example that you set um not only for contemporaries like us who are looking at and how you create content and how you manage life as a, as a mom to, to boys, but also your journey um, mm. and how that gives hope to young women looking to navigate a really difficult, um, you know, career scenario in, in this life. So thank you. I, I can't thank you enough for joining us on The Great Equalizer. Ah, what a breath of fresh air this woman is. <laughs> I really love her. I really love her. I could, I could just talk to her for hours. <laughs> I mean, I think we would have carried on for hours. I think I genuinely think, who listeners, who's with us? We need to do drinks with this lady. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It'll be you a night what? out, a TG, I mean, T- TGE night out with Fit Like Mummy. We can go for a run. Yes. can and, go for our and run. We- <laughs> and then afterwards, we can go do dinner and drink all the unhealthy things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, there's so much we spoke about in this interview, and there's there's a lot that that she covered. But I think if I were to take a what the bottom line is for me from this entire discussion is that she's just so fearlessly authentic in in herself. She's just this is who I am. This is the way I approach life. This is the way I approach my work. This is, I live in the now. I live for today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I mean, that's easier said than done, but it, it's, it's very clear in what she does that, that she, she just makes the most of her day. Yeah. And at the risk of sounding like this airy fairy, oh, life is so perfect, perfect and you got to seize the day. Seizing the day doesn't mean that it's always going to be a positive good day. And, and she's made that clear because she's had her hardships and she still has her hardships. But look at how, she, how well she has turned any negative that life throws at her. She, she turns it into a positive because she refuses to let it get the better of her. Yeah, so that's, that's the bottom line for me is her, like, you got to say like 200% honesty policy (laughs) there's just Mm. there's so much honesty nothing is off the table not even with her kids and I really do look up to her as a mom because I'm like I see what your boys have turned out like and I really Mm. do um Ashton is quite vocal on on Instagram 
Like, I'm, I mean, he's a kid, so I'm not like a hardcore follower. That would be a little bit weird. But um, I creepy, did. Creepy Auntie Sam. <laughs> creepy, creepy Auntie Sam, like my post again, like my shirtless post again. No, but I see her relationship with her boys and I, I've, I've really taken notes. And I think the, the bottom line for me would be, and I, that's the bottom line that I've really taken away from 2020, to be honest, is constant positivity about everything about life and seeing things, um, seeing the, the shiny pen, the life land on the, the side of the, the shiniest side of the penny, that mm. it's not always helpful. And in overcoming your hardships, just acknowledging the shit that happened and moving is the first step to moving on from that. And that's what I can see she's done. So I'm, I really, like, I can't say enough amazing things about this woman. She, she, yeah, she's got my heart. And, you know, the fact that she just, she talks about it. There's no, we don't, we don't pussyfoot around these, these ugly stories or, or the, the ugly truth or the hardships because, and, and I love what she said about having a social responsibility towards your following or the people you're talking to, because Sam, are we really helping the moms that listen to us on this podcast? If we're sitting here saying our lives are picture perfect and we never have any hardships or I'm not currently on medication for depression or my kids are these special little snowflakes that always behave and they poo glitter and stuff that smells like roses. <laughs> we're not, we're not helping my anybody. My marriage is, is 100% perfect is, and my husband and I have and never I'm, been more in love. Yes. Yeah. And I never resent him for sleeping so well <laughs> while I'm getting up for the kids. I mean, it, we're not being helpful. And if we're, if we're really going to be women supporting women, supporting mothers, then our actions need to speak louder than our words. And I love that Natasha, she's all about the living, the change. She's living her actions yeah. rather than just plonking a hashtag or a, or a something on whatever she puts out. Genuinely taking life beyond the hashtag. So guys, how about we keep talking and talking and talking? It just gave me yeah. hope that this is going to work. Our podcast, you know, has a, there's a point to this after all. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, for the most part, listeners, we just sit here and talk about our lives and we introduce you to people talking about their lives. But we want to chat with you about this as well. We want you to chat to us, weigh in on something, swear, rant, cry, laugh, you know the drill. DM us a voice note on Instagram at the Great Equalizer Podcast, or you can record one on your phone and you can just send it to us via email or WhatsApp if you know Sam and I personally and you have our numbers. Uh, you can also use our email address, info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Guys, you are our community and we value anything that you have to say. So please feel free to email us, as Charlene has said, to, to dive into our DMs or our personal messages on, on Instagram or Facebook or even Twitter and uh, to tag us in posts that you like or send us content that you're into. We are happy to cover what you want to hear and we want to know what you want to know more about. 
your support is so important to us. And remember, if you want to share a story, but you'd prefer to remain anonymous, we are happy to, to handle your story with, with discretion. Um, your support's important to us. Any, any, any like, love, comment, or share, you have no idea. It means the world to us. And that engagement just tells us that what we're doing here and creating a community of moms that support each other is not all in vain. And if it wasn't clear from this episode, we really, really appreciate honesty. So please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you you listen to, to the podcast, um, to our podcast, or rate us on Facebook and hit that subscribe button so that you know when we'll be landing in your inbox. And the more we're seen, the better this podcast will do, the better we can serve you with our content. And so that's it for this week. Until next time, keep, keep your, your mom, mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za and we'll get back to you.